We continue with our challenge. Why obey the commands? Why as Christians do we obey the commandments? Bible tells us here that we should go make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey. All. Teaching is equipping. Teaching them to obey is part of the discipleship process. And what we want to do is teach them to obey everything. You probably heard this. If Jesus is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. So we want to encourage you as we disciple you on towards Christ-likeness. Our challenge to you is to be able to obey all. We are not your policemen. We are here to encourage you on towards love and good deeds. So why obey? John 14, 15. Can you read this with me? If you will, there is no other validation of your love for God than obedience. This is God's love language. If we say we love God and we are not willing to obey God, then we don't really love God. I didn't say that we are able to completely obey everything. But God says, if you love him, you should have the willingness to obey. And what did God give us to help us to obey? He has given us the Holy Spirit. We're discussing why obey through the Ten Commandments. The first two, idolatry. Adultery, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any graven images. The, second, the, the third and the fourth command, keep the name of the Lord holy. Do not use the name of the Lord in vain. The fourth command, thou shalt keep the Sabbath holy. On that day you will do no work. Six days you shall work. The seventh is the Sabbath. So that you and your male servant and your female servant may rest. Now, where in all the world will you see a God who commands you to love him, who commands you to rest? You have a boss like that? Take a day off, why don't you? Rest, why don't you? What is the truth? Can you come in? Can you do overtime? We'll pay you more? No. Only God commands his people to work six days and to take the seventh as a Sabbath rest so that you may rest. Do no work. Observing the Sabbath is a test of your faith. If you work a seventh day, yes, you'll earn more money. So you think. Not necessarily. What if your health suffers because you're not taking your rest? Then you, the money that you have earned will go to Kaiser Permanente, White, White Memorial, Blue Cross. That's where they're all going to go. And last week, we discussed three more. And I titled that message, How Should You, meaning God talking to us, How Should You Love Me? Let Me Count the Ways. So we counted off three more. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with the promise that it may be that you may live long in the land which I am going to give you. 17, you shall not murder. 18, you shall not commit adultery. Now, nobody here is a murderer in our definition. In God's definition, you call your brother good for nothing. You call your brother Raka. You are angry with your brother. God looks at as what? Murder. You shall not commit adultery. Well, I don't commit adultery, Pastor. I'm faithful to my wife. What did Jesus Christ say in Matthew 22? Truly I say to you, if you look at another woman and lust after her, you have committed adultery in your heart. God's standards are way up there. And we should follow him because we love him. This morning... I've entitled our message on the last three commandments. Don't even think about it. Have you heard that? Maybe in the movies, in the TV. Don't even think about it. 
Don't even think about it. You know what that's communicating? You're showing signs that you're planning to do something and somebody senses it. Eh, don't even think about it. Maybe in the context of a family, your son or your daughter is probably you know, fixing himself or herself up and you only have one car. And you have an appointment and your child goes up to you and uh, dad, don't even think about it. I have somewhere to go. You can't borrow the car. It's like you, you already know what's coming. So don't even think about it. All right? Now, let's all stand up and read from Malachi to lay the foundation of our message this morning. Malachi chapter 1, beginning with verse 6. A son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my respect, says the Lord of hosts to you. O priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? You're presenting defiled food upon my altar. But you say, how have we defiled you? In that you say, the table of the Lord is despised. But when you present blind sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts. God, we thank you for your word. Your word is no respecter of persons. Your word pierces our hearts, causes us understanding. So we pray, Lord, that as we study your word, that you will speak to us, that you will meet us at our level of need, that you will give us wisdom, understanding, and the courage to obey your word, knowing that you have also given us your Holy Spirit to be with us always. Speak to me, Lord. Fill all of us with your Holy Spirit and be pleased to speak to your people for your servants are listening. This is our prayer, Lord God, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Perhaps you're thinking the title doesn't necessarily connect. Why is the title of the message, Don't Even Think About It? And we read from Malachi. Well, look. Look at what God's rebuke is to the priests. They thought that by doing what they were doing, that by making an offering, they thought that that would be already acceptable to God. In their minds, they were making or giving offerings to God that God was pleased with. In their minds. But what did God say? A son honors his father and a servant his master. If I am a father, where's my honor? If I'm a master, where's my respect? And how did they show defilement? How did they show respect for God, even in their worship? He said, O priest who despise my name. Oh, how have we despised your name? He says, you're presenting defiled food at my altar. You say, how have we defiled you? In that you say, the table of the Lord is despised. How? God says, you present the blind for sacrifice. Is that not evil? When you present the lame and the sick, is that not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased? Or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? You see, their dilemma, they thought that they were doing the right thing. Yes, there you go. In Filipino, in Tagalog. Pwede na yan. Pwede na yan. You see the mindset? Don't even think about that. Don't even think about it that way. God deserves our very best. Never think that when we offer God mediocre sacrifices, when we're content with mediocrity, that God accepts it. He said, you defile the Lord's table. 
In Tagalog, pwede na yan. In English, that's okay. God says, it's not okay. God has given us His best in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. Let's give Him our best because we love Him. So let me continue using this as the foundation for giving us our best. Let's continue with the last three commands. You shall not steal, Deuteronomy 5, 19 through 21. 19, you shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field or his male servant or his female servant, his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Okay? Don't even think about it. First, you shall not steal. The word steal means to take and carry away feloniously, to take without right or leave with the intent of keeping wrongfully, to steal the personal goods of another. How many here are thieves and robbers? Please do not raise your hand. Is my wallet still here? Yes, it is. Many times we think of that. You know, these cat burglars, they go up the building, they break in through the window, and they steal. Right? Yes. How about when you bring home pads, papers, and pens from your workplace? Uh, uh, see, now you're... <laughs> it was just a ball pen. <laughs> yes? How about you make a report, you submit the report, but it was somebody else's idea. Isn't that not stealing? Yes or no? It's somebody else's idea. You represent it to be your own. Don't even think about it. In God's eyes, that's stealing. Who is the number one thief? The devil. John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to bring life and life in all its fullness. When you're called this word in Greek, klepto. You're a klepto. Kleptomaniac. A someone who is... You know, he can't do anything else. He cannot prevent himself from stealing. He's a kleptomaniac. In Manila, if you go to Mega Mall or behind Mega Mall, St. Francis Square, where we still have a CCF facility, before you reach the worship hall, you will see people there. For our foreign friends, DVD. Okay, I just speak it a little louder because that's how they sell. What are these? These are pirated movies. They even have Blu-ray now. They're more advanced than I am. And they're in the hundreds and thousands. And then they have a raid, so they all disperse. Give it two days, they're back. DVD, 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 DVD. Those are international property rights. In CCF, we also have our own copyright. Da, uh, Stan and Nancy Elitagtag will know this. They emailed me many months ago. Pastor in song, we are from another church. We have observed, we have seen your booklet entitled One by One. Can we have a copy? Is there a copyright? Yes, there is a copy at, copyright. When you copy, copy it right. Use it. Use it for God's glory. We don't make money off of these things. They are there for your use to expand the kingdom of God. Don't steal. Don't even think about it. That belongs to somebody else. If you 
rob somebody, if you've stolen something, well, this is what Ephesians tell us. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. See that? God doesn't want any one of us to steal property or ideas or things or whatever it is from other people. God wants us to work. As a matter of fact, he says, if you don't work, you won't eat. Work with your hands so that you may have, not only for yourself, look at the verse, so that you may also have to share with other people. You and I are just mere channels of God's blessings. And if you are a child of God, he tells to you, he speaks to you this morning, that none of my children will be caught begging for bread in the street. He will provide. And when he provides, it is not leftovers. Just like the rebuke that God was telling to the priests in the book of Malachi. Give your best to the Lord. Don't steal. Work with your hands that you may have. And that you may share with others. There was this one man in the New Testament that Jesus encountered. I can identify with him. Because he's a short person as well. His name was Zacchaeus. Jesus was going through the town and Zacchaeus heard of him. He climbed up a sycamore tree to see who this Jesus was. And Jesus looking up at him said, Zacchaeus! Come down. I'm going to go to your house and I'm going to have a meal with you. Of course, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, those who were self-righteous, said, what? This man eats with sinners? And Zacchaeus was so blessed that he being a tax collector, the enemy of his fellow Jews, that Jesus would go to his house, he said this. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. If I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. As a tax collector in those days, they would collect more. Rome demanded a certain percentage. They upped the percentage of their collections so that the excess would go to them. Much like our Philippines. Not everyone. BIR. Bureau of Internal Revenue. When you get a letter from BIR, you're in trouble. My friend, our former D group member in Manila, he had an award. Number one taxpayer in the city of Makati. His business was so blessed. The next year was a turnaround. He had no money. Guess what? He got a letter. Why is your income low now? We have to investigate. Here is Zacchaeus, a tax collector. He encounters Jesus Christ. He is saved. How do I know? Not only does that Jesus says, Salvation has come to his house. But there's a change. He said, if I have defrauded anyone, I think he should have said, if I defrauded everyone, if I defrauded everyone, I will pay back four times. Now, I don't see any Zacchaeus. I don't see any tax collector. So, pastor, you know, I'm not really guilty of that stealing. I don't steal ideas. I don't bring home my stuff, stuff from the office. You know, this ball pen that I have, this is given to me by my office mate. This does not belong to LA County. You know, because that's where I work. Oh, and my sister Sita also there. And my brother Joel also here. These are, these are legitimate. They're, they're mine. But what does God say? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, in their mind, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed 
with a curse for you are robbing me. The whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Do we rob God? When we give our leftovers, I submit to you, we rob God. We are thieves in that area. When we don't give the time that God demands of us, we rob God. When we don't give from what He has given to us, we rob God. In CCF, we don't pass the offering plate. Why? We want the people to realize that giving comes from the heart. And a heart that is right with God will give their very best. Our time, our talent, our treasures. God wants that. But if you withhold it, God looks at it as what? Thievery. Robbery. In all else, in all the other books of scripture, you will say, and you will read, do not put the Lord your God to the test. But only in the areas of tithes and offerings does God say, test me in this. Test me in this if I do not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that your barns will not be able to contain. Giving your tithes is a test of faith. Trusting in what God has given you is a test of faith. Many times we begin to steal, we begin to do all kinds of stuff because we don't want to live within our means. And we're forced many times to look for other ways. That's where it begins. Don't even think about it. Trust God. But God, if I give my tithes, what's going to happen? God will say, I will take care of you. How do I know? Look. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grape, says the Lord of God. Lord of hosts, all the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. If you go to Israel, it's in the middle of the desert. But why is there so much produce, vegetables, fruits, everything? Why? Because God has blessed the land. It is not because of the Israelites. It is because of God. Don't steal. It belongs to somebody else. Don't take away that which belongs to God. He says, I will not share my glory with another, my praise to someone else. That belongs to God. Keep it sacred. If it helps you, the moment you get your paycheck, set it aside. It's up to you. You want to give the first, you want to give the middle, you want to give the last, fine, but set it apart. Keep it holy unto the Lord. Don't touch it. Oh, the credit card bill is here. I have no cash. Wait, I don't even think about it. <laughs> don't even think about it. Set it apart for the Lord. Do not steal. Do not steal from your neighbor. Do not steal from God. Verse 20. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. What does that mean? Two, two things. Lying. To lie is a false statement which made with deliberate intent to deceive, mislead, causing someone to believe in error. Another word similar to that is deceit, an act or practice intended to mislead by a false appearance or statement. The difference between lying and deceit is lying is generally spoken, but deceit includes anything, whether words or deeds, that are intended to lead people to believe something that is not true. Lying is generally or generally involves deliberate falsehood, told with the intent of misleading or causing something to believe error. Satan is a master of this. 
He is actually called the father of lies. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue. Maybe that's why the snake. Have you seen the tongue of the snake? Split. You don't know which is true. Yes? That's why it's called you have a forked tongue. They're actually calling you what? A liar. Don't lie. Now, somebody asks you your age. You forgot. <laughs> Don't be so judgmental. Okay? The intent is to deceive. The intent is to bring that person to error. Okay? So don't go around passing judgment. Liar. 55 ka na eh. Sabi mo 56 ka. No. What are the forms of lying? We're not going to discuss each and every one. Alright? We're not going to finish. Outright falsehoods. False promises. Flattery over exaggeration. False doctrine. Hypocrisy. Half-truths. Self-deceptions. You know you can lie to yourself? You can wake up in the mirror. I'm so pretty. I'm so pretty. I'm so pretty and pretty and gay. Those of you who are old, you know that song. Alright? Don't deceive yourselves. Huh? But pastor, I don't deceive myself. Be ye doers of the word. Not only hearers of the word, and so deceive yourselves. When the Bible shows you something that you must do, that you must correct in your life, and you're not willing to do it, friend, you're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself. That's why the last there is self-deception. So what should I do? Instead of speaking lies, I should speak the truth. And sometimes, even many times, the truth hurts. Huh? How do you like my new dress? Uh, I like the other one. The one you wore before. Because you don't want to hurt feelings. You want to speak the truth in love. Right? Very touchy. Hello? Actual, my boss. Art, it's for you. It's so-and-so. Tell him I'm not here. Ah, <laughs> oh, now what do you do? I say, God, back of my mind, God, how can I respond to this without lying? Happens to you? I'm not going to lie. Hello, sir? He's not available to take your call. Did I lie? Some people like this. Who is it? It's the collector. Wait a minute. Then he runs to the bathroom. Tell them I'm in the bathroom. Did not lie because he's in the bathroom. <laughs> oh. Don't lie. Speak. <laughs> Speak the truth in love. Why? Look at Ephesians. Therefore, laying aside falsehood. You see? Falsehood. Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor. Why? For we are members of one body. And we must be careful with our words because in the same chapter, in verse 29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word that is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. You know, we, we take for granted communication, but how it is defined in the Bible it's very tricky. It's very hard. How will I say this to the person without offending the person so that it doesn't become unwholesome? Well, I was just joking. The Bible says there is such a thing as coarse joking which falls into the category of sin because you have offended the feelings of the other person. And then when the other person comes to you, you know, I was offended by your statement. Oh, you're so sensitive. In English, you're so onion skin. Balat si buyas, di ba onion skin? Then you become 
now you don't even want to acknowledge that you have offended the person and now your communication is now what? Falls under the category of unwholesome word. But instead, you want to defend yourself. The person already came to you saying that you have hurt this person's feelings. Acknowledge. Oh, I'm sorry. I did not realize that I have offended your feelings. Will you please forgive me? Ah, di ba? Many times, oh, I'm sorry. I offended your feelings. But you know, you kasi. You apologize, but then you blame the other person. Don't do that. Speak the truth in love. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouths. God gave us two ears. Listen twice before you speak. You're not sure? Validate. What is that that you said? Is this what you mean? And then speak. Be quick to listen slow to speak because later you do not know you may say something you may regret. Do not steal. Don't lie. Don't say falsehoods. You are speaking the language of the devil when you lie. The third, thou shalt not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not desire your neighbor's house his field, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his donkey, or ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Who owns all of those? In this particular context, it's your neighbor's goods. It's your neighbor's wife. It's your neighbor's male and female servant. Yes? It's not yours. God gave all of those to your neighbor. Right? So what does the word, word covet mean? Covet. To wish for with eagerness, to desire possession of. It can also be used in a good sense. Sometimes I send you out emails or text messages. I covet your prayers. Can you please help me pray for such and such a situation or such and such a person? So there is a good side to that word. I desire, I eagerly desire your participation in prayer. That's a good connotation of the word covet, right? But to long for inordinately or unlawfully, unlawfully to hanker after something that is forbidden. To have or indulge inordinate desire. To desire unlawfully or to secure illegitimate illegitimately, hence it is called lust. They say here in America, they're saying, the grass is always greener on the other side. So here you are. You're probably watering your lawn and you see your neighbor. New car. New wife. When <laughs> you're looking at yourself, old car, old wife. <laughs> What's up with this, God? And then, you begin to what? Don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. Because if you think about it, God, my car, my car, I have to push my car to start. His car is remote start. His wife, I'm not going to go there because I might be guilty of unwholesome words. I'm not going to go there. God, you see, you begin to compare. And when you begin to compare, when you start thinking, I, God, I'm the one that is faithful. This person does not even know you. Why is he blessed? I'm like this. 
I'm faithfully serving you. I give you my tithes. I go to church. I lead the D group. Look at my car. Don't think even think about it. Don't go there. Don't go there. Because you might be beginning to covet, to acquire illegally something that does not belong to you, something that is forbidden. And you forget everything that God has provided for you. And you begin to look at the greener pasture. Always looking at the greener pasture. God, why did you give me this wife? If you are a wife, God, why did you give me this husband? If you are a child, God, why did you give me these parents? If you are the parents, God, why do you give me these children? You see, it works both ways. You keep on complaining about your parents. Hey, your parents might be complaining to God about you too. <laughs> God, in America, everything is tradable. Can I trade in my children? Can I trade in my wife? No. God gave you the perfect wife. God gave you the perfect husband. You just don't know it yet. God is still molding you. God is still molding her. Children, your parents, though we do not choose our parents, those are the best parents for you. I will not ask anymore. It's just a matter of discovery. And I just want to acknowledge again the young people. I was able to speak to them yesterday. They're such a blessing. And we are blessed to have them. And basically, I told them, you are blessed. Because at your youth, at your very young age, you're already having the foundation of Christ in your lives. So keep growing in the Lord, children. Children ko na rin yan. Now, why do I say, don't think about it? Don't steal. Don't think about it. Don't even think about it. Don't even go there. Don't lie. Don't even go there. Don't covet. Don't even go there. Why? Look at the pattern. But when each one is tempted, when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. You see the word? Lust. When he is carried away by his own lust, then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Begins where? First, you see it. And then you begin to think about Don't even think about it. But if you think about it, what will happen? That idea will trickle down from your mind. It will slowly trickle down to your heart. And then when it has gripped your heart, when that lust has gripped your heart, guess what? it will act itself out. And then you have committed sin. And we know that all sin leads to death. Don't even go there. Don't even think about it. Philippians tells us, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Think about these things. Well, pastor, you know, it's very hard. You know, I, my work uh, Absorb the word of God. Not because I'm preaching. But since I arrived from Manila in January and I'm preparing for these messages, I can practically think of nothing else. My mind, even when I'm driving, I'm chewing on the message. What? What? And then when I get down to sit, God puts it together. You can ask my wife. You can ask my son. Until late last night, I was trying to put this together. Although everything was already there. But where to put these verses and what to challenge people on this or that. That doesn't leave me room to think about, I think I will look for a bigger house or a newer car or never mind. Don't even think about it. Because when you think about it, that thought 
will develop into lust, that lust will materialize into sin, and sin, when it is full-blown, brings death. Look at what happened to this guy. He was on the top of the world, yet he fell. 2 Samuel 12, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said, There were two men in one city, one rich, another one poor. The rich man had great and many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he brought and bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and his children. It would eat of its bread and drink of its cup and lie in his bosom. And was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. Rather, he took the poor man's ewe lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger burned greatly against the man. He said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. Galing. He must make restitution for the lamb fourfold because he has done this thing and had no compassion. Nathan then said to David, You the man. You the man. Say, You're the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. It is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house, your master's wife into your care, and I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added you many more things like this. Why have you despised? You remember the word in Malachi? Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. Oh, it's good to be the king. But what did this king do? He thought to himself, I have a great army. I will let my army go fight the battle. I will just sit back and relax in my palace. Everything is good. And it's good to be the king. So what does he do? He takes a casual stroll. Mm -hmm. And who is this? By the way, what is she doing out, baiting out? Okay, I don't know. She sees Bathsheba. Right? She's, he, she's, he sees Bathsheba. My Filipino is coming out. He sees Bathsheba. All right, Pedina. But he didn't stop there. What's the message? Don't even think about it. He sees Bathsheba and he sends for her and he commits adultery with her and she gets pregnant he had everything he was the king but he stole Bathsheba from Uriah the Hittite and when King David found out that Bathsheba was with child what did he do call for Uriah call him in from the battlefront so he calls Uriah. Oh, Uriah, uh, you know, I know you're a good soldier. Why don't you go home and have relations with your wife? Deception. But Bathsheba is already with child. So if Uriah goes into Bathsheba and has physical intimate relationships with his wife, then nobody would be none the wiser as to why Bathsheba is pregnant. You get the idea? But Uriah, because he is an honorable man, he said, O king, I cannot do this. My men are in battle. No, you go home. What does Uriah do? He sleeps in front of his house. He doesn't go inside. But David, King David, was not deterred. There must have to be a cover-up of what I have done. So he calls his other general. 
My plan A did not work. Now plan B. Okay. This is the plan. You go. You bring Uriah. You bring him to the front of the lines. Once the skirmish begins, all of you retreat except Uriah. Long story short, King David murdered Uriah. He had everything, but he chose that which was forbidden. Why? Because when he saw this woman taking a bath, what did he do? He kept that thought, that picture in his mind. And then that developed into lust. And then because he was the king, he just ordered, bring her to me. And he took her. You see? Don't covet. Do not lust after things that are not yours. Do not lust after wives or husbands who are not yours. God gave you your family for a purpose. Work it out with the grace of God. Work it out with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You can change your family. Work it out. So when sin is full-blown, it leads to death. In this case, not only sin, but physical death. He manipulated people and circumstances because he was the king. David killed Uriah. And God sent Nathan, the prophet Nathan, to give that example. There's this rich guy, he had so much. There's this poor guy, he had only one new lamb. He took care of it as if it was his own daughter. And when the rich man had a visitor, instead of getting from his own, he stole from the poor man his one ewe lamb that he treated as his daughter. And what's the rebuke? I gave you everything. If you had asked for more, I would have gladly given it to you. But why did you despise the word of the Lord? Why are you not content with what God has given you that you would desire for someone that you would desire for something else. Paul, the Apostle Paul, understand, he understood the principle. G but godliness actually is a means of great gain when what? Accompanied by contentment. I will be content with what God allows. He echoes it in Philippians 4. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. You see, the Apostle Paul was rich when he was still a Pharisee. He had power, he had position, he had possessions. But when he put his faith in Christ, he turned his back on all of that. And then he lived his life out as a tent maker. He sustained his ministry by himself. And he's saying, I have learned what it means to be rich. I have learned also what it means to be in want. But what is his end analysis? I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Are you content? Or are you struggling with God? God, another this, another that. Another this, another that. I think it was Rockefeller who said when he made his first million, so now that you have made your first million, what's next? My second million. Many people have had material wealth but have ended up in suicide because material wealth does not necessarily make one happy. Be content, Paul says. So what's my application? I'll give you four and then we're done. 
Application number one, very simple. Check your heart. Jeremiah 17 verse 9. The heart is more what? Deceitful than all else. It is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Who? According to verse 10. I. I, the Lord, search the heart. Test the mind. Even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. So you don't know what to do? I have good news for you. God knows. So go to God. Have a heart check between you and God. Is that okay? Why? Because the heart is deceitful. Once I give my emotions, I'm going to be brought all over. So I have to go back to the anchor, which is the word of God. My emotions should be dictated by what God says about certain situations. Then I'm able to protect myself, my heart, and look in my mind. God searches the heart and he tests the mind. What's in your heart? God knows it. Second application. Kasi sabi niya, your heart and your mind. Check your mind. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we are what? Taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Take the moment the devil tries to plant a seed of these negative thoughts. You know, if you picture in your Here's another one. I'm not going to think about those things because I want to keep my thought life glorifying to God. Take every thought captive because once you let that one thought penetrate, you run the risk of that thought developing into lust, developing into sin, and when sin is, when sin is full-blown, it leads to death. Check your heart. Check your mind. Thirdly, check your mouth. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God knows your thoughts. Even if your wife, the people around you do not know what you're thinking, God knows. So he says, let the words of my mouth and what? The meditations of my heart. Psalm 139 says, even if you don't know the word that will come out, God already knows. The emotions that you're feeling before you even feel them, God already knows. So Lord, how's my thought life? He knows it. Search it. God, the words that I'm going to say, search it. Guard your heart, guard your mind, guard your words. For out of the overflow of the heart speaks the mouth. So guard your heart, guard your mind, guard your mouth. And lastly, as we close, choose to love. Choose to love rather than to compare. What do I mean? Romans 13. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Look at verse 10. Love does no wrong to others. So fulfill, so love fulfills the requirements of the law. I was sharing with my wife and I shared with Joseph that as I was looking on these things, God impressed upon my heart that the central command is don't steal. That's just me. Why? If I do not give the honor that is due God, am I not robbing him? Yes? 
If I choose to disregard the commandments of God, do I not steal from his position as my Lord? Yes? If I do not honor his name, am I not depriving his reputation? If I am not honoring the Sabbath, do I not deprive him of the rest day that is devoted to him? Didn't I just steal it from him? If I lie, do I not steal the truth? If I commit adultery, am I not coveting or taking someone else's wife? If I covet, am I not planning to steal something that does not belong to me? Everything belongs to God. And if you do not have, ask God. He told David, if you had wanted anything else, I would have given it to you. But why did you despise the word of the Lord? And taken Bathsheba to be your wife and kill Uriah. Look at the sins of David. Deception. Murder. Lying. Adultery. Where did it begin? Okay. Don't think about it. Just don't even think about it. Don't go there. Because the devil prowls around like a roaring lion waiting for someone to devour. Don't even think about it. God, will you forgive us, Lord, when we don't think about you more than we ought to? When we don't put you first? When we don't put your honor first? When we desire other things and forego with thanking you for the things that we already have? Forgive us, Lord, for not representing you well. Lord, you have commanded us to love you and to love others as ourselves. You have given your people these commandments so that they will live a distinguished life, separate from the way the world lives, so that people will be able to identify us as your people, not because of who we are or what we're able to do, but because you are the Lord of our lives. And forgive us, Lord, when we disrespect you, when we put you beside other idols, when we make graven images, when we take your name in vain, when we do not honor the Sabbath, when we do not honor our parents, when we commit adultery, even in our heart. When we steal, when we lie, when we covet. When we murder, we call our brothers, our sisters who are created in the image of God, names, and we call them good for nothing. Lord, forgive us. And teach us, Lord, as you have reminded me, remind all of us, Lord, that when we choose to love other people as you have loved us, then we won't steal from them. We won't want to hurt them. We don't want to tell them lies. We want to tell them of the truth of salvation that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Teach us, Lord, I pray, all of us, to humble ourselves at the mighty hand of God because we know that in due time you will lift us up. God, I pray if there is anyone here this morning who does not yet have a personal relationship with you, Lord, will you move in our midst And allow this person to come to faith. There may be one, there may be more, there may be none. It's not my problem, Lord. That's your department. And Lord, if there are people here whom you have spoken to this morning through this message or the messages in the past,
I pray, Lord God, that as you stir up their spirits, it will not be limited to our time here this morning. But that stirring, Lord God, will continue in their hearts until there is change brought forth by your grace and by the power of your spirit. This is not about us, Lord God. It's not about CCF. It's all about Jesus. And all of these things we pray in his name. Amen.